Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Spoke, the all-new and exclusive podcast series with me, Chidera, a.k.a. The Slum Flower. And me, Sully Breaks, poet, writer, spoken word, artist, etc., etc. Where we discuss issues at the heart of youth culture and how music and literature are shaping the conversation. Microaggressions are all around us. They could constitute as asking to touch a black person's hair, or not even asking suggesting that one immigrant group is better than another or asking where a person is really from. Whether it's through malice or just sheer ignorance, these comments are far from harmless and this unconscious bias filters into every corner of our life, from getting a job to dating to simply walking home. Connections seared into our mind by false narratives given to us by the media feed a culture of racial assumptions and lay the groundwork for systemic violence and racial profiling. But... How ingrained is racism in our culture? What are the steps we can take to combat it? And what should you say when someone asks to touch your hair? (laughs) I love it. In this show, we discuss microaggressions, stereotypes and institutionalised racism and its effects on day-to-day life. When was the last time someone asked to touch your hair, Sully? The hair that's left. They've not been throwing. They've taken. She. She never been throwing shade at me, yeah, because it's all, all season long. Because, healthy shades. Because as a man, you know, I'm I deal not, with hair loss, um, so I can't really shade oh, you. Okay, cool. My hair's not even losing like that. I just choose to cut it low to a respectable length. You get what I'm saying? I'm done. When I was what? When I was 18, I had the cuts in my eyebrows. You know, I had the tube <gasps> side part, and I had oh, all of that, that stuff. That was Yeah, that was me, boy. Are there any pictures still up on yeah. the internet? Nah, 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 nah. We had to, we had to leave that for the public, for public image. You know what I mean? <laughs> nah, nah. I had, I had all that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, when was the last time someone asked you to touch your hair? Well, the I've... thing is, with me, because I'm very, very, you know, visually exciting when I have my hair in a massive afro okay, and yeah. a very colourful, flamboyant outfit. I often don't get people ask; they just touch me regardless. Really? Yeah. So people often think that if they have a level of familiarity with me, that if I change up my hair, they can just put their hand inside it. And by people, I'm referring to white people. They just put their hair inside it and fiddle and then and remove then their hand. They'll be like, oh, you changed up your hair. This looks good on you. I love this pink one on you. But the thing is, I don't take it as a compliment, even though they insist that it's a compliment because you're othering me and you're treating me like I'm otherworldly because when I, you know, come across a white person who has changed up their hairstyle, maybe they've gotten a balayage done or they've What's trimmed a it. A balayage is a particular... Di- um, bleaching technique okay so maybe you got a balayage done and you got a nice haircut as well or maybe you've got extensions glued in i'm not going to come up to you and be like oh susan your hair's like three inches longer (laughs) did it grow overnight how do you get it like that do you sleep with that on no what happens is i see them as people and i recognize that they're multifaceted and that they change up their hair but that um, humanity is not afforded to me. It's I'm constantly having to answer to people asking me about my hair. And even when I get, you know, compliments about my massive afro, yeah. 
I don't even want to hear those compliments anymore because those compliments aren't coming from a healthy place. It's coming from quite a... It's almost like Perverse, you see this kind of yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like you see this like neon coloured raccoon. You're gonna be like, oh my god! It's that whole kind of Sarah Bartman kind of conversation. Yeah. Like obviously it's not to that extreme, of but course it's, not. Like, but it's still the whole the... idea of you know um, you see a black woman and you want to inspect her because you feel entitled <laughs> because it, she interests you. But I don't think that I need to thank anybody for pointing out that I'm different just because they said it nicely. Um, that makes sense. I remember there's a friend of mine, she works in a law firm, and I remember she changed her hair. Um, I think she normally um, relaxes her, has her hair straight. Well, she doesn't relax, she normally wears a wig. And then I think she came in one day with her hair in extensions or something like that. And the yeah. first thing they said was, you look like Beyonce. My friend looks nothing like Beyonce. Like, I can't even articulate how much she looks nothing like Beyonce. So like, much she's a dark-skinned like... Nigerian black, she looks nothing like Beyonce. Do you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, it's because people... There's quite a few things happening here. So number one is that people assume that you want to look like Beyonce. And the reasons for that are because, you know, the world views lighter skinned black women as more desirable. Um, And obviously Beyonce is lighter skinned. So it's a compliment by saying she looks like Beyonce. It's a compliment, yeah. That's the best level of compliment I can give you. (laughs) Um, But also it's this idea that Beyonce is seen as the pinnacle of what black womanness is. Which, you know, I mean, in certain contexts, I do agree with that. She's definitely the queen um, yeah, of her work. Yeah, and that's not beehive, yeah. disputable. Um, but in the context of blackness and complimenting women and comparing them to Beyonce, it's it's quite a difficult one. And I don't think it's very productive, but it's quite lazy. Yeah, yeah, 100% it is. Yeah, it is. I, I, I can totally agree with that. I think when it does come to the subjects of like underlying kind of racial comments or like ideology, I think... My one is still that typical kind of, like we I had this event the other day at the Economist, and when we were walking into the building, the security guard ran to the door and he was like, "Oh, we're coming in," and he, and he asked, "Are you sure you're supposed to be here?" Do you get what I'm saying? It's that typical kind of like, that stereotypical you don't belong in this environment kind of yeah. space. You know what I mean? And he was even when we came in, he was completely shocked. Like you know, it wasn't even just like, "Who are you looking for?" It's like, "Are you sure you're supposed to be here?" Shadira, would you like to introduce our guest? Yes. You're, the, you're the introducer. Yes, this is my... Do you know what? I feel like I need to be hired as those people that um, introduce the boxers before they get on the ring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah. that needs to be my... That's my second calling. I think that's what I'm going to rebrand and evolve into. I think that would really work for you. It's time. I think it would. It's definitely time. I definitely think So on the left, we have Iggy! London! Oh, I like that. That was nice. I like the combo. And on the right... In a white T-shirt, Yomi Shodé. Shodé. Hey, hey, hey. Do you want to introduce everybody? yourself? Introduce uh, yourself, uh, Yomi. Oh, my God. Um, Why are you amazing? Why are you excellent? <laughs> Bruv, this guy, this guy is going to try to do a humble thing. This guy... Don't let him have it. No, oh, this guy is honestly <laughs> one of... No, ser- seriously. This guy is not only a talented poet, but he's honestly, honestly one of the most genuine guys I know because I, he may not remember this, but I remember one of the first times we performed together. And I remember afterwards, I was really impressed by the performance. I remember this guy giving me his number and we spoke on the phone and you were proper, we spoke, we spoke maybe for like half an hour on the way home. And this guy was probably telling me about, yeah, this is what to do. Like all these little kind of things that most people wouldn't take time to, to tell you, do you get what I'm saying? And this was me starting out very, very early. And I remember that and I always remember that and I really appreciate that. And he's talented and I went to watch his show. You're going to talk about it, but I want to talk about it properly. Colt. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to watch his show, Colt. Nah, What's I'm doing the intro for you. It's called Colt. 
where can we where can we find it? Before you go into that, let me tell you what this guy does during the show. Yeah, this guy is spends the show and he's cooking during the show. He's cooking. What are you cooking? He's cooking jollof. Wow. No, no, cooking jollof. He's a, no, no. What is it? Not, before everyone gets too high. Okay, sorry. It's, it is a traditional Nigerian right tomato stew. stew. It is that. Okay. Rice and stew. And we're having some plain rice to try to go with that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Man, so I'm a writer, poet, um, playwright, musician as well, actually. Um, worked with a band, got an album and an EP out. Yeah, last music gig was Wireless Festival in 2013. So, like, and then I took the break from that to work on what will be the play um, that, is, that we premiered last year. And we're touring, we're touring this year. Um, so we're back in London later on. Um, in the year, October, what have you. So, and I run a monthly night as well called Boxed In alongside Sean Mahoney and Amina Jammer yeah. and, <laughs> and Cecilia Nat. Serious night. And um, so it's a monthly, it's the it's the longest running open mic night in, in, in Box Park. Wow. Six years in October. And it's the quickest, I will say it, I will claim it. That's amazing. I'll claim it is the quickest open mic night, two hours um, on the last Tuesday of every month. So come, it's free. So yeah, Sick. congratulations. A lot, on lot all more that. stuff. Well, that's about that's about it, man. And Iggy, modest, modest. you're out here chilling in the corner. I can yo, see yo, you. Yo, Do you want to introduce yo, yourself? Yo, yo, yo. We don't need humility, you know. Sell yourself. We're not big. doing that. Yeah, let the people I don't know. know about Be that. relatelessly great. Let today. <laughs> today. We've got Go serious guests here. I'm so dead. So yeah, my name is Iggy, also known as Iggy London, and I'm an ex poet. Yeah, I'm an ex-poet, um, but I'm a director Literally. and <laughs> um, writer. Um, and I, my first ever film was called Black Boys Don't Cry. And it basically went... Was that in Tate? I saw that. Yeah, that was in the Tate. I that, actually watched you know, it as well. Thank you very much. It. I appreciate it. It was on Fader, you know, just loads of crazy places. And that was my first ever film. And I kind of had like a £100 budget, self-funded it. And I was like, you know, I need to do something which is about masculinity. I felt like I was... You know, I had to just, you know, I had to be a spokesperson for that kind of topic. Mm. And then done, um, kind of directed a film called Fatherhood and then just put out a film Are called... Are you a father? No, 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 no. <gasps> but um, it was about my relationship with my own father. And I think mm. it's important that we kind of share those kind of like topics and those nuances. Um, and then, yeah, later on I did a... Um, I recently just put out um, a film called Velvet and it's basically about... Um, the loss of a son, you know, through a mother's perspective. And kind of like at the start of this year, we lost a really, really, really um, talented and, you know, like um, great person called Harry. Um, and he lost his, uh, lost his life to knife crime. And I felt like I had to, I don't know, I felt sad, very sad. That was the first, one of the ma like major kind of like losses that I saw. I was like, wow, it affected so many people yeah. like, on Instagram, on like Facebook. But I was like, can you imagine their like family? Can you imagine his mum? Like right now, mm. so I done a film um, that basically tries to you know look at the mother's intuition and basic. So as the you know the son is losing his life. Don't spoil it because okay, I, st okay, so I started right. watching it and it yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. My Wi-Fi keeps on stopping at the part when the son's in the house and he does it. Okay. And it kept on stopping at the same point and I was like this because you start with the panning shop up the stairs and yeah, I was like this yeah, looks yeah. so dope yeah. and it kept on stopping at that point. Don't spoil it. Check it out. Check no, it out. Yeah. But it's very um, emotional, very intense. But I feel like it's needed. I feel like we need to actually speak about these topics in a mm. raw way and like, we need to be able to understand that communities are being broken by knife crime being broken by violence and and we can't look at and become you can't be de desensitized to the fact that we see gang you know murdered murdered um 15 year old we can't we can't keep Just on having these day, rhetorics yeah. these conversations and mm -hmm. being like yes normal whilst we you know open up our you know our you know 
uh, Sunday Times or whatever, we need to be able to actually have these meaningful conversations with ourselves and not just allow other people to to sh to narrate narrate them for us. But yeah, I did that, and and yeah, I'm a writer as well. So yeah, that's me. That's, that's me. Those what are our guests. Those I, are our esteemed guests know, in the building. I still know Iggs as the poet because the last I saw. Can I just Iggy say? Was, Having said that, can I just say the f first place I ever performed was at Boxed. Oh, wow. Boxed in. Yeah, Wicked. first, first, Destiny. And I, I remember, I remember literally like going quiver, quivering, I mean shaking, Aww, like Bambi on, um, I was, I think I was like 20 and I was just petrified because I was like, there's just so many lit people and like, you got Yomi here and I'm like, I'm like, what am I going to say? I literally was like, he was like, come on, just just do it, just go it. I'm like, okay, cool, fine. Go up and it was, yeah, it was well received. But yeah, I was mad, mad gas. You're mad not an expert so thank you. to me, man. No. The films is poetry. We'll take that. We'll okay, take that. Okay, we'll let's take that. do that. From, from that. the scenes, I saw it was poetry, but then my <laughs> Wi-Fi will de determine the rest. Get that yeah. fiber, but, man, fiber. So I spoke earlier with Sully about, you know, me being a black woman and my relationship with my hair and the microaggressions that I have to endure surrounding that. I'm curious about your own um, experience as black men with microaggressions. Like, what kind of microaggressions have you faced in this room, all three of you? Because I'm, like, outnumbered here. I'm for the only first time. Woman. I know. For the first like... time. But first, when you and Monroe and Poppy, you lot just, mm -hmm. I was just solo here, boys. <laughs> no, I'm in so your shoes. You guys have to, have to ride out. Um, Boy. There's, there's so many. There's so many on a day to day that I am, um, that, you know, you face. But kind of like the first thing that I kind of realized, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm really like. Um, it's real out it's, here. It's real out here. It's when someone I was I was remember I used to like do creative stuff and I I performed at a, an an event one time and then someone came up to me like when I was super super young I was like oh like where are you from and I was like yeah I'm from like East London and they didn't follow back with that oh no no where you really 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 from yeah. I was they were like that's which is an, another microaggression but um, they said um, oh like so like you seen like people get stabbed in it. Oh, wow. Like, you've seen, like, people die in it. Like, you must... Because you're you're from ends in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. East London. How many people have you, like, like you know, seen, like, lose their life? Yeah. And you literally yes. go, whoa. Oh. Like, you're, you're not, like, Iggy, like, the, like, trying to, like, navigate into this world. You're, like, no, Iggy, who's, like, obviously related to this or was connected to this. Where you're were you performing? Um... I think it was at the, um, I forgot the name. It was like the Savoy Theatre, that's it. Oh, okay, yeah. The Savoy okay, Theatre. Yeah. And like, yeah, like it was just a really amazing experience because I was so gassed. I was like, you know, I was out of ends. I was like living my best life. I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm going to be like the, the performer, you know. Um, I made it, I made yeah, it. Yeah, I made it fully. And then as like, I was reminded of like what people think I should be like really, like, really quickly. Um, off the bat and I was like wow okay well this is yeah this is my experience this is what I need to be careful of and I navigate around yeah. um, mine was more subtle you know um, I was at work it was at work um, I was by the computer doing what I'm doing and right next to me was a book I was reading the sellout at the time um, and lady approaches <laughs> There's a, between me and the book is another colleague or having someone approaches them, like just in between us or what have you mm -hmm. And then um, just takes a look at the book and then looks at a colleague next to me and is like, oh, good book. And then she then says, no, it's not. Yeah, it's, not. <laughs> it's, not, it's not mine type thing, yeah? So there's only one way you can yeah, look now, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So she then, looks, she then looks my way. And then, because I'm like, imagine someone just hovering over yeah, you, just yeah, looking. Yeah, yeah. So now she looks my way. So now you're now, I can now see your shade kind of shadow type thing near me, my yeah, personal yeah. space. So I'm looking at her, and she went, hmm, interesting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, 
<laughs> so like, I'm like, oh, what's interesting? And she's like, she looks at it and she, she gestures the book. It's like, you know, and then she, what? she's like, oh, wouldn't expect you to be. I knew that was oh, coming. Wow. Wouldn't expect you to be. To be um, wow. Wouldn't expect you to be, you know. Yeah. And then I said, and then I'm like, oh, hey, you not are, today, yeah. oh, God, not today. Oh, you clapped back. No, wait, wait, wait. Oh, <laughs> it was imperative. So, listen. <laughs> dead. so then I was like, so when she said, oh, I wouldn't expect you to be. Do, and then I said, what? To read. <laughs> And then she's, and then it's instant. It's a thing of oh, I didn't mean. I didn't, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. What? What didn't you mean? And then it got even more worse, isn't it? And then she's like, and then she walked off. Really? Oh, what could she do? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, you ain't gonna do that because if I allowed that, if I allowed that to happen, if I allowed that conversation to carry on, then I will be sat with that energy. Yeah, real because talk. the energy it means nothing to her. Mm. She would have left me feeling. That, feel, that yeah, that's that, a good me, way to having that, it, actually. having that, yeah. kind, and that's the thing about microaggressions to a certain degree is, is when it happens, you have to internalize it, but no one necessarily informs you of how to kind of release that. That's so then you carry point. that, and then people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're intimidating, you're this." Mm-hmm. If I go through full, if I go through moments like that mm-hmm. every day through my nine to five, how how you expect me to be dealing when you're trying to have normal conversations with me? If I feel that's like a... you're just gonna try to pull something on me differently, that's a real talk. You know, so that was just yeah. But that when that happened, I was like, I can't take that energy today. You come with that, you leave with it. I'm I'm refusing to take that today. Mm. So, like what's been your experience with microaggressions? Oh man, I'm just I'm just a microaggressor attractor all over the place. <laughs> that. No, I've I've kind of come. The more I've grown in my career, the more unapologetic I've become in terms of like how I conduct myself, how I speak, even to the way I dress. So when I first started with doing poetry and because of what I spoke about, I was always in a lot of kind of like what people would pursue as like established or like prestigious places. So I used to wear like a shirt and trousers. Then it got to the point where it's like, I just wear what I'd normally wear, you know what I mean? I would wear my tracksuit, I'd wear my, 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 my hoodie, whatever. And then that came, then it was often that kind of like, dynamic of like are you really supposed to be here do you know what I mean or that kind of mm. instinctively intimidated like you know I mean I got invited to go to this thing and I don't think I'm going to go so I probably won't mention it but it's um, it's something to do with it's happening in Black History Month and they invite um, it's like the royal family I don't want to mention the specific members it's not it's not um, not Harry or Meghan so if it was them I probably would have gone because Harry's kind of like he rides out a bit anyway so, <laughs> so yeah but I got it um, so I, I can't I, so, I can't <laughs> So I got, I got invited. They're doing this event. It's in the middle of Black History Month. So they're trying to celebrate like West West the, the African community within within <laughs> London, you know, as they do during Black History Month, innit? And I was kind of like, if I go to this place, I can't wear like what I feel comfortable wearing, innit? Do you get what I'm saying? So I said for me, I'm not even gonna bother kind of going. Did they put a dress code? No, there's no dress code. But you know when you it had the like the stamp at the bottom, you know the stamp. Oh, was it mailed to you? Um, no, it wasn't mailed. It was emailed. <laughs> it was the reason why I'm trying to figure out is because oh. like why wouldn't they put No, know, it was in, it's but celebrating it British West African communities, is that what you said? Not African communities, yeah. Oh, it's celebrating African yeah, communities. Yeah, African communities, yeah. But it's kind of like in the height of when they haven't done anything like with the Windrush situation, mm. all that kind of stuff. Mm. It's it, what it feels like is gonna be a bunch of us standing there taking a photo to make it seem like, yeah, mm. we're doing stuff. For, for, the, for culture, the culture right? Yeah. yeah right now do you get what I'm saying so for me I was like I was in two minds and my decided my, de- my the deciding factor was will I be able to dress how I want to dress to go here and I looked at it and I thought yeah, I don't think it's going to be that kind of I'll get there and then the security guard will say to me are you here are you supposed to be here do you get what I'm saying so yeah. that's, that's but, and that's so interesting <laughs> that you said that because it's like you, of course there isn't 
you're faced with a situation and you have to respond back and you're like, okay, cool, but there's so many... In your head, you've kind of like figured out all the situations that could possibly happen. Yeah. And that's the thing with microaggressions is that suddenly it puts you in a place where you can't be yourself. Yes, exactly. And the only problem is like... like there's nothing that's happened. They they put forward. They're giving you an invite. They're telling you to come to this blah blah blah. blah. You're it's like, I'm gaslit, and you you already believe that this is not possible for me. This is I yeah. can't be here because if I was to be here, I would be faced with all of this, and it's gonna make me feel a certain Stress. type of way. And, a, and again, it's that it's that anxiety that. So now, because you've been sending that invite, you are already thinking of all the red flags. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what white I mean? folks from a, to a certain degree won't necessarily yeah, have to consider gonna, yeah. as much. You know, but you, there are so many that you're like, this could be actually good for my career progression or whatever it is. And da, 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 da. Yeah. But due to the amount of things that I things have has happened in the past, you can it. almost dictate how this is going to exactly, roll out. Yeah, exactly. So as a result, nah. I'm good, which is a shame because whatever opportunities could come, you ne- do you understand what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're letting go you're of that, le- but your heart is it's conflicted. You're torn. No, yeah. you're at some kind of peace. Oh, peace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know that you won't have to. Yeah, even with. in that, you won't have to deal with that. Because yeah. then, if you deal, even if you dealt with that, you then give in to the assumptions of you, yeah. your body, your 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 whatever you might be wearing, everything would then speak out in terms of, oh, that's why the attitude is there. Exactly. What, do you know what I mean? And you're thinking that in your head, which is wrong. It's yeah, not, it's not because fair. the onus is on you to deal with it, not them. So, on this show, as you know, we always make sure that our guests bring items with them for us to discuss. So, Iggy, what did you bring with you? Oh, what my life. So, basically... <laughs> what are you um, like? What my life. Absolute liberty. So, what I did was that um, um, I looked, I was like, okay, cool, what can, what can I bring? I was like, I'm going to bring a track. I'm going to bring a song that really resonated with me. And obviously, I don't have long, 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 big, like, you know, braids or, like, uh, you know, hair. But I was like, there's this song that really push kind of the, the the understanding of microaggressions and and the response to microaggressions and that's Solange don't touch my hair and that's Jeez. that's big a tune song. that's a tune big obviously song, lyrically big mood. exactly it's a big mood it's, it's a you know <laughs> life mood um life goals um but you know what i realized the reason why like i resonate um with it even though obviously i don't have hair you got the um, waves you though. Hair on the, your waves. Waves. the waves are swimming. Accept them, boy. Thank you, like. <laughs> I appreciate it and that. But, I have um, a beard as but, well. Which but yeah. the violation is if someone tries to stroke your beard. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. It's, oh my it's gosh, that happened to you before. Yeah, like someone oh. come on unsolicited stroke. You. Like oh, they just grab your chin. They just grab the whole chin. They don't even stroke. The they grab chin. the chin and they they face. They like they move ah, you. It's like who's doing that to you? Like yo, there's I can name. Have you had women do that to you? Yes, Shoreditch, near Ace Hotel. And oh gosh, I don't go near them. Ends, yeah, it's a bit like oh that yeah, that side's just really annoying. Yeah, it's a bit, <laughs> like, it's a bit like it's about trust fund oh, type. No. Girl. I don't You've know. Had anyway, trust fund hands in your beard. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not the real coin. Like, thank you for sharing your it's story. It's like the mediocre coin. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done. I uh, done now. Um, but yeah, don't touch my hair. Was it was a mood because it allowed me to realize that yo, this is not okay. You you um, positioning yourself in a, such a level makes you feel that you are better than you can navigate more that and you understand the 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 dynamics but yet you're still going to impose yourself on my culture on my the way i dress the way i want to represent myself and that's the difficulty is like knowing fully well that that's not okay so don't touch my hair like don't do it don't do it i don't care who you are but you are not allowed to because i need to understand i need to you know 
perpetuate my own autonomy, my ability, my own you know agency to do whatever I want, and I can walk down the street without someone looking at me and looking at me and just thinking that I'm a beard. Mm. I'm just oh yeah, I'm contoured <laughs> face because I've got a beard. Like listen, you can't do that. And um, yeah, I feel like we need to. Yeah, it was just a, it was a massive kind of like right of like yeah, you can do your thing. Yeah, big mood. Man. Yummy. What item did you bring with you? So um, mine is a is a song. Um, also, and it's by an artist called Tawia. Tawia is an amazing singer. Um, she's 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 been doing this. How for is her name spelled, please? T A W I A H. Oh, Tawia. Okay. Yeah, um, and the track is called Faces. So Tawia is Ghanaian. And, big up, um, big up the Ghanaian crew in there. And and <laughs> this this song this song is actually like it was it was very, like it was significant in the process of me writing the play. Because it just came at some point midway, and I just and and so basically in in the in the video she's gone back to Ghana. So the chorus of it is, um, if I can remember it, um, the chorus is where is this place I'm standing? I recognise all the faces, but they don't seem to know mine. So what she's trying to kind of correlate within there is because at some point she's lived the, her life, or I'm assuming she lived her life in Britain. So it's one of them ones where you go back. To, to what you might consider home, be it Ghana or wherever or what have you. Um, and the, pe- the, the community in which she's probably surrounded by, they deal with her different. And when I went to Nigeria, um, I felt that... This is why this spin of microaggressions is quite interesting and it's kind of double-fold. Because when I went to Nigeria, it was interesting how they just called me the British kid. Yeah. So they they saw they saw my they saw my um my studs you know what have you my hoops, and they were just like yeah we don't yeah we're not gonna we're not talking to you you don't you don't understand our customs here, yeah? you're Nigerian but you're not are, really are you are you Nigerian and right and then and then in 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 England obviously I'm going through microaggressions also so this is this song was important for me because here we have a woman that is very strong very very. She 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 connects with her heart and her work, and this song I can only it can I can only imagine that is just as emotional for her in the process of writing and singing, and when I saw the video, it's that I saw myself in that. I'm not going to talk to her, but if I was to in that position, when I went to Nigeria and I, I had a really bad experience when I went one time, and. Um, it was all of that, but it was all of what I've been told over the years is like England is not your home your home, yeah. type thing, right? So I'm like, oh, let's get this cracking. So what, <laughs> Niger's the yard? That, that is nice. Coming to America. When <laughs> so then when I, when, I, when I actually arrived there and then the just be it, the, the situations that have been put into people that I was talking to, it just did not make me feel like I was home. Right. When do you feel like the when do you feel the most at home? When do I feel well this is the thing like I can't it's interesting how I feel like home is this kind of thing that kind of moves yeah. it's just ever moving it's just very fluid motion thing and that's why the play for me was important because I had to kind of signif- like signify what the process is of how do you locate home and within there what is the acceptance that comes with it so when I'm in England there is a certain type of acceptance that I'm kind of looking for when I'm in Nigeria there's a certain kind of acceptance I'm trying to cook this stew for my mum to show her that I've still yeah. I still got it yeah. do you know what I mean like I you ain't lost me to fish and chips out in the streets do you know what I mean there's still some Indomie in the cupboard like don't let's not get this don't twisted don't know about the Indomie but those things don't necessarily mean that I am 
connected, right? And there are many ways that people can make you feel like you're part of a culture or you're part of home, so to speak. So it's still something that I'm navigating every day, but I'm in a better sense of mind right now of understanding it so that's why the song was important to me because i feel like that's what she was trying to convey in the in the song which leads perfectly to the topic that we're talking about so mm. in the context of you i think you address the play a lot as well in regards to this conversation and we're talking about microaggressions institutionalized racism both of you are kind of in industries which are not as democratic as say like music or you know or, or sports you know what i mean so how do you think like institutional racism and all these mic- microaggressions how do you think they've not only affected your work and what you create but also like your career and like your, your eventual trajectory you know what I mean because you're in theatre right now yeah. you're doing plays and it's hard I, that's one thing I respect about you is that you're doing a lot of it independently do you understand what I'm saying yeah, and yeah. then obviously with Iggy a lot of the subjects you're touching on I mean they resonate with you and your peers but are you ever thinking the fact that when I'm trying to progress within it, in this industry do I have to dilute the content or do I have to change these subjects to make them to make them more um, appealing or commercially viable 100% 100% so first and foremost like mm. especially when looking at your, your work you really want it to resonate with people you really want it to touch people but at the same time you don't want to be considered as the black director because suddenly you realise that if you're considered the black director number one people think that you can do things um, for like not um as big a budget as other people yeah. and you're not, you're not capable of Try being low able blow to, you. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like, oh, don't want to give you the bag. Don't yeah. want to secure the bag. Exactly. I, I, don't to, I, don't need, I need to secure every <laughs> single piece of coin. Um, so yeah, like it was mad and I, so I knew and I kind of internalised that and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't talk about black issues. Oh, I, I can't talk about black issues. If I was to talk about black issues, people wouldn't respect me as much or production companies wouldn't sign me. And I was like, okay, but I really want to talk about black issues because nobody's talking about these black experiences mm-hmm. in a really interactive way so how do I tap into that and then suddenly you start thinking oh well maybe I'm not supposed to be this filmmaker maybe I don't maybe I've kind of like shot myself in the foot because I feel like I need to be this thing but really I can't be because I really want to talk about this you know a mother's experience and so that's another thing when looking at and also understanding what filmmakers if you type in if you type into google filmmaker or director you're gonna see a certain type of person and that person usually wears white yes that and (laughs) a uniqlo black t-shirt with um you know some like brogues and that's unfortunate (laughs) because i don't know that's unfortunate because it's like what we should be pushing our children uh, you know the younger generation is that they can be anything that they want to be so when i'm going into these spaces i'm realizing that number one oh geez i am the only black director or i'm you know um i'm unsigned and you start to think oh is that because you know they don't rate me they don't think i'm this they don't think i'm that and you start to internalize it and you go why don't i just do something for i don't know like um justin bieber let me just direct something let me just make sure like it's all palatable and i feel all cute and like they can like set pitch me to other people it's actually what i need to do what i need to do and that's what another thing that i would tell anyone who's experiencing microaggressions is that do not feed into it do not accept it and be like okay cool this is what i'm gonna do if you if you're in a position that you can do that I think it's important to um, wear your hair out have mm. have the braids bar you know? of, sorry bar of the day you know we have this thing whereby we, when people drop a sick metaphor we try to take note in it I'm usually the champion of the best one but yeah, yeah. That, you, you, you're a <laughs> contender today that was a nice tango, one I like tango. that one that was a good but yeah like I feel like it's important that we don't just sell ourselves out you see if I did that sell out done now out here um, but yeah like we got coming, oh my god it's I just, just hit me it's coming for the throne it's coming for the crown but we can't I'm poet ex-poet tango 
word. Is, Listen, these, out these, here. these words out here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we've got to, we've got to do better. We've got to like really teach ourselves that we are, it's possible to do these things and we have to, I think sometimes, although it's difficult, I think we have to go to those events and we have, that we're invited to because representation is key, but at the same time, we don't want to be in those spaces that's going to harm us. So we have to, tell them that this is not okay. And I think that's another thing as well. We can't allow people just to walk away. That's you got to tell point. them. Yeah, that's a really important point. I might actually point go cause, actually. Cause, yeah, because yeah, when, I, when you said saying. that, I really was thinking about it. And there have been so many times where I used to hold that, um, have that mentality, and it is a valid mentality. And I don't think it's flawed in any way. At all. Mm-hmm. But at all. I would think, why am I accepting an invitation to, um, from someone who... Who has who has literally built an entire you know empire on destroying my life? But then the thing is, one thing that sticks in my mind is I can't I can't change the conversation if I'm not at the table, and I take it as an opportunity for me to go there and show up as my full self. Because the thing is, as long as you've been you've been invited, exactly. that moment is do already whatever yours. You do. So for me, I'm like, okay, if I got invited to that kind of thing. I will show up in my full traditional wear, um, <laughs> especially because the event is British West African or, or African specific. Yeah. Um, but even if it wasn't, I'm still showing up in my traditional, my traditional wear because I'm representing my country. Fully. Um, I love it. Love but it. also, I would want to make sure that me showing up and me st- um, moving through the world afterwards, the two don't um, confuse each other. So what I mean by that is after I, I show up at that event, I'm not going to suddenly dilute myself. I'm still going to be, Definitely. if anything, more pro-black. Yeah. Because I want people to understand that if you can you can move through any space you want to, as long as you're creating some sort of change, it's going to get people's attention. It's going to prick their ears up. And so whether that's recognition from the royal family, recognition from the government, recognition from the film industry, whatever it is, I think the most important thing is just maintaining your identity and living in living in and walking in the reason why you initially started. And I think that's what you're doing. Yeah. So I don't see this as a threat to your um, to your true message or how genuine you are, because you have to expect that if you do choose to do something like that, be prepared for people to say things like, oh my God, Sully Breaks has sold out. Like, now he's doing up Kiki Ki with the royal family. Like, don't you know they don't like you? Why are you being so a coon? Can you not see? Like, I knew this would happen. This always happens. Always happens. Now he's a Freemason. We take off. He's got and sold his soul. He's got and sold his soul. For what? What did you sell your soul for? What? Another thousand views? No, I could never do that. The person said I could never do that is never going to be in position to do that. So, prepare yourself for that and I think that's something that you know is something to consider because a lot of decisions we make including saying no is out of fear but I'm not letting fear control how I move through my life because Mm. when I get to like 80 years old is a decision that I made at 20 or at 30 going to be important enough for me to sit there pondering during my last days wishing I'd never done that yeah. true no I, I think you guys have definitely given me a new perspective on it because I, I saw you the deserve invite. to be whatever you're invited to it got sent to me and I was like oh, this is going to be long but I, I hear what long you are saying who? I feel like long I have a responsibility no, but long for who who's this person who's this person that's convinced you that it's a bad idea I want to yeah, know beef them. Uh, let's let's beef no, it's, it's an important <laughs> conversation because yeah, I do exactly. think that there are a lot of you know people who probably will have the same thoughts and it might not even just be, you know, royal family. It could be like a company could reach out to them and they might, you know, instinctively knee-jerk and, and out of fear they'll be like, I don't want to be seen working with someone people people have decided to agree on disliking. But the thing about that is, again, it's about why you are there. Yeah, 100%. Because there are people who have come before us who have been in those spaces and are black just like us. Interesting. That's an interesting way because 
we had a discussion. Mm-hmm. I, do you oh, remember the conversation we had in New York? About, yeah, yeah, that's, what, that's exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. I'm like, so it's what 2016. We're yeah. in we're in New York yeah. at the same time, but for different like, unplanned. Yeah. yeah, like so I'm doing a gig because then afterwards we went for a bite to eat, but uh, and that's that's a cool spot as well. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. But the reason it? why that was important was this was we just got into talking, and I know that I asked you a question regards. Well, we explored. I'm not a role model. Yeah, and just the unapologetic nature in, in, in which you are kind of speaking on that, right? And it was a very important conversation to have because we touched on many, many, yeah, many things. Yeah, about the MB. Many things, many things, many things. The M what? M, M, MBE. Is well, it as M- in whether you would accept one or not. That was where... That's a conversation yeah, so I'm just, always like, having yeah, with so people it was, and I find it, was, it so interesting. But it, yeah, right, it was... But then off of the back of that was the, the anxiety in terms of, like, especially within... Um, the the diaspora to a certain degree whether you would accept it and you know the the the, the connotations, the, the connotations in it. terms of if you don't accept it then mm. this is it for your career and yeah. blah 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 yeah. and also if you you know you shouldn't understand what this is meaning if you do accept all that stuff so we spoke about that you know and um, I think the craft will always speak for itself like me I'm not a spokesman like you you won't see me all day kind of you might get me a bit heated at some point talking on Twitter in terms of how I might feel to a certain degree but more time if there's anything I need to explore I will explore it through my art just mm-hmm. what I mean yeah. if we if we consider some of our favourite hip hop artists or whatever it is Always. now we're not necessarily hearing them speak outright but we'll hear them talk through their art Right, and it was always through my art in which I would discuss anything that needs to be yeah. discussed now in saying that there are there is this kind of um, middle. It's a very thin line in terms of the biggest gig is coming, but you you're thinking to accept it or not, depending <laughs> on the issues that are carrying. It's so difficult in terms of, but saying no is like you know like Chidera said, saying no is very important. Yeah, the point I'm is, making is, is, is your key. first your first mm. thought is fear, and then your second thought is who you actually are. In the same way, your first thought is what you've been conditioned to think by society. Mm. And your second thought is what you really think based on, like, how you view yourself and how you've learned to view the world. Mm. So that's why I'm always about, like, ask yourself, am I making a choice out of fear or do I really want to do this? On that note, yeah, in the show, part of it is, is part of this traditional stew is... (laughs) I love this concept. from, 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 from young, we added meat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So one of the suggestions was not to use meat, to be mindful of the non-meat. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of the, of the so what did you use? Kinoa? And I was like, listen, <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, like, let us talk. <laughs> Anyhow, I do this show and my mum's there and she sees this stew get made with no, no meat. <laughs> yeah, so listen, the original troll for 2000 or whatever will be my mum. Yeah, yeah man, you get be, grilled for life. Will be, I will back her. What do you mean? No, but no then, meat to steal from the pot. <laughs> you're, you're just, it's just, it's just, it's just, just empty. It's just, just empty. You're just, you're just going through. You're just. <laughs> Imagine your spoon actually goes in and comes out. Just, yeah, like, your spoon no, no is bumps. doing like free no You know when the whale just jumped. <laughs> Abomination. <laughs> so basically, it's but that was that move, and also part of it, part of the show was Yoruba. I'm speaking in Yoruba, and there was a lot of why are you not translating it, why are you not doing da 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 da, da. but to the craft to the unapologetic nature of it and to the truth of that I'm speaking is I am not budging. And there is something about the stance in which 
you have to take yeah. because even if you don't understand it there are moves and gestures that you will get and also this speaks to a community that actually gets it, get it. Oh, yeah. and to mm. a community that will actually access theatre that will yeah. actually sit into that and actually see something that is for them so this is actually greater than me but yeah. it's speaking through my craft without me necessarily doing a, a massive status on it on a Facebook because I'm talking of about course. it there. But look through my threads. I've never addressed this in terms of all of this, but I'm doing it through the art. Through and it. I think there's many ways that you can speak through the work without necessarily being that tw- social media warrior all day, every day to kind of emphasize what you're trying to get across. You can do it in the work. Mm. And that's why you're so authentic, man. That's definitely, that's why the work is authentic, for sure. <laughs> you can do it through the work, you know? That was wonderful. Ah, that was such a great conversation. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing your stories and really just engaging in this discussion to do with microaggressions and blackness and being a man. And, like, what's been really, really heartwarming for me is seeing you three just show each other so much love, like, unfiltered, (laughs) relentless love. It started with Sully being like, do not self-deprecate. Do not downplay your greatness. I think that's something that's really important for black men to hear from other black men. Mm. It's super vital that you receive that love from people who look exactly like you and are going through exactly what you're going through. For sure. Can I ask you a question? You can ask me a question. Because, like, again, in following the work that you're doing I can imagine the onslaught of microaggressions or the onslaught of backlash that you're getting Where, how do you deal with that on a day to day in terms of like how do you process and do you, and the thing is internalising it can also mm-hmm. lead to should we kind of go down a mental health route and whatever it is, it can weigh heavy so one you're, you're very outspoken <laughs> but that also comes with its own of course it always you see what I mean mm-hmm. so what is your, what's your balance in it and when it gets a bit much, how do you deal with it? For me, thank you for that question. I love I it. I feel like I've asked you off air as well the same question. I feel yeah. like everyone wants to know. <laughs> for me, I'm learning to understand that people decide whether you're bad or good. And that is not a decision that you can influence in any way. And if you try to, then you're living outside of who you truly are. Preach. Because the way that we respond to other people making mistakes or the way we respond to people living... Um, on the opposite end of what we define as the right way actually shows the way that we speak to ourselves. Mm. It displays what the inner voice sounds like. And so what happens is you see a lot of behaviour on the internet where people pile up on one person and just, you know, tell them things like, you're wrong, you're a bad person, you deserve this, um, and all kinds of horrible things. And regardless of whether that person has provoked it or not, the bigger issue is why people feel like it's worth it to send abuse to someone. Um, And I found that when people present resistance to, you know, leaving you alone or forgiving you, that's because they're very resistant to self-forgiveness too. You can often tell how someone talks to their self when they make a mistake by how they talk to someone else who's made a mistake. So I'm learning to detach myself from that and recognise and realise that for me how someone chooses to respond to me is not a reflection of my own intrinsic worth as a person because they are only responding to a version of me that they've been able to see but even what they can see is influenced by how they've been able to respond to the world since they were a child and so that's what allows me to have peace in knowing that instead of dedicating energy to trying to change myself according to what the world wants from me I can actually invest that energy personally 
and work on being a person who doesn't have to, you know, have knee-jerk reactions to the world. I can actually, you know, move through the world and have a few arrows thrown at me, but recognise that those arrows are coming from a place of pain in someone else's life and they're not coming to me because I deserve to be in pain. Hey, Charlie, come on. <laughs> preach! Preach! Gospel! Gospel! And when I listen back to that, to this, to this podcast... <laughs> I listen to this segment just to decipher everything. Hey. I, I just have it on loop. I just have it on loop all morning. Thank you for that awesome question. But I want to ask everyone before we go, what have you learned today? Because this conversation, as much as it's about sharing insights and encouraging each other to have these fragile discussions, the most important thing is that we're all on the same level of learning. So I'm going to start with you, Yomi. What have you learned today? Um... Oh man, I think I've I've learned that there isn't you can't you can't cap a time on on this type of topic or theme. Like it feels like it, it, I wouldn't even think like an hour or so has gone by already, and we just touched on we're great, we're just tickling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I yeah, feel like there's so talk. much, and I feel like that I don't know what I don't I really don't know what the outlet is in terms of received microaggressions and how black people specifically process this. I don't mm. know because it's a thing of there's an additional anxiety that I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis whenever it's received and whose responsibility is it to deal with that anxiety when it's received other than mine? Mm. Because then if it's not, it's almost like it's almost like I'm, I'm having to deal with this internal battle and, and An this, external this, one this, too. this person <laughs> just walked off. Yeah. And... And I'm like, what do I do with that? That can really mess... And I don't even understand how people don't understand that, how this can mess up someone's entire day, right? So that's my current thinking, and this discussion has got me analysing that. Right now, all I do is write, so yeah. I can only express it through Writing. the work. Yeah. But personally, I have a boy. He's four years old. You have a four-year-old? Yeah, how, how, how am I going to... Little Noah. No, not Little Noah. Noah. His name is Noah. Noah. It's not Little Noah. Young Noah. Sorry, he's got a plane yeah. to Ghana. Yeah. He was kind of little then still. Well, now when he sees a plane, it's like it's a to Ghana. Like, <laughs> you like, need to go to Nigeria. Nah, nah, nah. We claimed this already, bro. We claimed already. So, yeah, it's that. It's a thing of once I understand parts of it, how can I now start to kind of disseminate some of this information for my boy to understand. Of course. Because there's this additional responsibility of sharing because our parents felt this, but... They didn't have access to the resources to be able to even articulate So we had to really go through this pretty much on our Jack Jones. And then we go back to them, we talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, Just send them one way. I'm like, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different... Ball game right now, you know. Yeah. So yeah, this is just my thinking right now. But yeah, oh, I so, appreciate yeah, that, you. Iggy. What have you learned today? Um, I've learned that I'm not the only one who experiences microaggressions, and that's a really fundamental thing. Like sometimes you start to think that you're the only one in it. Like you're, you're like you like if you don't go to this thing, blah 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 blah, then you're spoiling it. Then you're like you're the only one that can be able to actually deal with it. So you won't ask for help. And I feel like it's important that when we realise that other people have kind of, have gone gone before us, have done bits before us, that we can lean to someone else, we can lean to Yomi, we can lean to you and be like, listen, like, what, like, this is, like, my experience, how yeah. do I navigate through this? Um, and also, I've, I've learned that um, microaggressions are not just always about, like, white people telling black people stuff. It can also come from, you know, 
a, like a behavior that you might see from someone that you might feel as a part of your group and it's important that we we deal with that from in a, as a as a collective um, and understand the nuances between black people and understand the nuances between identities and realize that listen like there's subcultures there's things that we have to deal with that other people might not even realize white people might not even realize that these subcultures are you know exist and so suddenly we start to react differently and we internalize that and then that's why when we go to Africa and we're like yo what are you saying bro and you, we hear silence that, yeah. and that's and yeah because they don't see us as brothers they see us as like oh a part of the white man's gaze and the part of the white man's group and blah 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 blah. but we're like yo but I'm so here for you like I'm really Af African like but they're looking at us differently so that's another thing and and like I'm really here for um being able to celebrate and love ourselves so we have to really push ourselves and be confident in spaces and you know go through and and just do bits yeah yeah, that's, yeah do definitely, bits. Definitely. what about you silly what have you learned today i think i learned something and i had a revelation i think when Yomi Jeez, spoke you. about now nah, today's been enlightening for me <laughs> now, your it, head must it. be like yeah wow. trust me bro, i'm taking it in um, when Yomi said the whole thing about you know when you have to check people when they're in the wrong especially when you're talking mm. about because you're right because someone does something to you and you, you internalise that mm. and your whole day you're just thinking should I have done this why they do this but like you said when you address it there and then you've, you've removed that pressure from you and that stress and you've given it to someone else who deser mm. rightly so deserves to think about it so no that was definitely like a learning for me and I think I'm going to implement that going forward because sometimes we are yeah. too conservative and then with the whole invite thing when you guys were talking when you said it when Iggy said it, when he was like, there's a list of things that I've ticked off in my head that are really not fair for me to have to address for just going somewhere that I've been invited to be myself and represent mm -hmm. what I want to represent. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah, I might have to respond to that email still. Yeah, those were the two kind for, of... For me, what I've learned, I've learned from Yomi, actually, about um, unapologetic accessibility. And you displayed that in the form of, you know, speaking Yoruba in your play without translating it for white people. And that's a radical move because I I don't see people I don't see people being out like, oh guys, why isn't Roald Dahl why isn't Roald Dahl's books being translated into Yoruba? <laughs> this is a major priority. It's not prioritized for people to translate mm. Harry Potter into Yoruba. So I don't see why it should be a priority for me if I'm speaking my language to then panda and be like, oh, wait, there's someone important enough for me to stop my track of thinking and translate for them. Mm. If it's if it's for you, then you understand it. And if you don't understand it, then you have to go out of your way to seek the resources to understand it in the same way Yoruba people have to go out of their way to go and learn English. 100%. So I'm glad that you did that. And that's something that I'm definitely going to implement in my in my life. I mean, half of my book is written in Ibo, mm. um, but I translated mm. it because that was just necessary for um, the context of it. But I definitely do think that there are certain aspects of myself that don't need to be explained. Mm. And it's one of those things where if you know, then you know. But also, if you know, then you're important. And I'm glad that you know. Mm. And if you don't know, then maybe this isn't for you. And that's OK. Yeah, no, one is uh, James and the Giant. Pounded yams. Mm. The rainbow, the rainbow I, fish in Yoruba. I, 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 on Nelly's a goosey factory. Willy Wonka. <laughs> what? A goosey factory? <laughs> yeah. sure. yes. You said a goosey factory. <laughs> oh goosey my god, factory. time out. I I'm just, I'm, and the goosey I, factory. I, I'm just spitting it out. I don't know, oh, man. Oh, no. We're in Penguin yeah. HQ, so this might be the next Let me paint in that. Let me paint in that. It might be there next year, yeah. I think it's there, man. It's coming.
But thank you. Wow. Thank, thank, you. Thank, thank you so you much, much for this wonderful discussion. And I this is so I like I like you. I like this chemistry. Yeah, man, black up. It was happening. It's working, isn't it? You know. I was yeah, a bit intimidated man. at first, big up, you know. Why were you intimidated? Why were you Because you articulate yourself so well, you know. She read the first paragraph and it was this like is, professional, is, you know what I mean? I'm dead. This is, yo. <laughs> this is just the, the yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a no, good work. It's a really good. We got this. All love. Well done, well done, well done. Thank you, love.